Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Negative Positives Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And now, here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 223. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, this is a Sunday night, and it's a little different Sunday night because we don't have our we don't have our co-captain tonight. He is uh, uh, apparently had to um, stay or go to some party to I don't know chase dragons or some kind of bull bull crap like that. So, uh, <laughs> and I tried kind of last minute to get a a co co-captain, uh, but uh, that didn't that didn't uh, I, I procrastinated, and so that didn't happen. So we're just stuck with the two of us tonight, but that's fine because our guest is none other than uh, Mr. Alex. Uh, Lauks, did I get that right? You got it. <laughs> nice. From the Classic Camera Revival Podcast. And it's nice to finally have you on, Alex. It's an honor to be on. <laughs> well, uh, like we said uh, last week, I think it was, I don't know if it's honor, but we'll go with honoree, but uh, I think that's, <laughs> that's kind of our, our spill now, I guess. But uh, And uh, so, yeah, and it's funny because uh, Andre not coming on the show tonight so he could watch his little dragon dragon show or whatever and uh you know i i uh, missed the uh finale of walking dead to uh talk to mike uh, rosso from uh film photography project and uh i don't know alex maybe you don't uh, maybe he doesn't think you're as uh, the heavy hitter that you are or something and he the dragons are more important than you i, I mean I, I gave up walking dead for for rosso i feel like you know what's going on with this oh well i mean <laughs> Everyone likes what they like, and Game of Thrones has a huge fan following. So you know what? We'll just forgive them this time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think, you know, there is this thing called DVRs nowadays, though. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, apparently it's a watch party or something. So, I don't know. Oh, that's, that's yeah. different. That's yeah. Different. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Alex, how about you uh, spend a little time and tell the uh, the fine folks, uh, those that don't know you, which I don't know how they wouldn't, uh, you know, a, a, little bit, a little bit about yourself and how you got into photography and, um, and about, the, about the podcast. Oh, man. Well, um, I got into photography back in uh, 02. Um, it was in a media English course at my uh, high school. And one of the elements was a photography element. And I was lucky in the sense that my high school still had a dark room. Mm-hmm. So one of the parts was is that they'd give us this old beat-up Pentax K1000, of course. Yes. Roll black and white film. And we'd actually have to share this camera amongst five different people. <laughs> And uh, the trouble was is that the person who actually did the loading of the reel did it wrong. <laughs> so ended up losing the roll and wasn't able to print anything. But again, as, as part of it, one of the things we had to do, we had to do a photo, photo essay. And the teacher, Steve Keen, was an incredibly hard marker. And I ended up getting all A's oh, on wow. these assignments. So I figured, hey maybe I got something for this. So I picked up a um, Minolta Hymatic 7S at a garage sale for five bucks and just went from there. I shot Minolta for many, many years, um, including my first digital camera, which is uh, Minolta DMH Z2, 
And then I ended up going Nikon in 06 and picked up on the FPP in 09. And, well, I now have a shell full of cameras. <laughs> and I develop on a near weekly basis. So. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think and, I think the uh, the cameras yeah. tend to they, the cameras tend to multiply, don't they? I was just boxing up a mm. bunch of cameras today uh, that I don't plan on using for any time, and then <laughs> near in the near future. So I was like, let's, put, yeah. let's get some of these in boxes, get them out of the dust and stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, I had the, I had some shoe boxes, and that that wasn't getting it done. So I had to get this like gigantic box just to put cameras in. I'm like, this is getting oh. out of control. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, I when when I got married and moved um out of the house I was living in with my with my parents and into the condo I now share with my wife, I significantly reduced my um my toolbox and well I up to uh, not entirely to the number that I had before, but I'm pretty darn close again. <laughs> do you ever I mean do you go through periods of wanting to kind of uh you know thin the herd a tad or, or is it, or do you find it's oh, kind yeah. of just a, yeah, <laughs> but I it, mean, it, it always comes it, back though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, you know what, at this point I'm pretty happy with the tools I have. I have two complete, uh, actually four complete systems, two of them Minolta, two of them Nikon, um, in the 35 millimeter and a smattering of medium formats that I'm happy with. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, pretty much stable at this point i just want one more lens for my minolta kit and then i'll be pretty happy uh that's it that sounds like a glorious place to be i'm, I'm, I'm i think i'm there but i still like always think you know my, my problem yeah. is at work i have a lot of time to think maybe too much time to think uh, about everything but my job so uh uh and it may i just dream up of things that i need all the time and it's just it's, yeah. it's a little, little troublesome <laughs> that's right you're you're a ford guy yeah, yeah, factory worker, the, so. Nice. Mad yeah. respects. Mad respect. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, yeah. Uh, Ford, well, we're, yeah, it's built, built Ford tough, you know, quality, Q1, yeah. quality's job oh, yeah. one, so. <laughs> um, where, my, where I work, I work in Oakville, Ontario, and we have a huge Ford plant there, too. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a... Um, uh, do, you, do you know what do they? I think they build... I think they build the Edge up there, maybe. Is that right? The Ford yeah, Edge? they do. Yeah, yeah. We rented one of those uh, to go down to Florida in one year, and that is a super nice vehicle. But this is starting yeah. to sound like a Ford advertisement, so I guess it's <laughs> 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 Ford, Ford does not sponsor this show. They only give me a paycheck, so I guess, oh. I guess, in, a way, I guess in a way they do sponsor me in some, some <laughs> capacity. But um, All right, so uh, kind of what we like to do this segment, actually, uh, uh, we're gonna, I think I am going to have a co-co-captain join us here in a bit, so uh, uh, we'll have uh, have somebody to help me with uh, read these Facebook questions uh, that are proposed nice. to uh, to Alex. So that'll help me out big time. But we're gonna have, uh, I think Dustin Cogsdale is going to be joining us here soon. So, oh, cool! Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I may try to I may try to connect to him. But how about while I'm trying to connect and get him in on this call, let's uh, this is the first segment. So we like to talk about what we've done this week, and um, and wow. I have I have some more questions too about uh, uh, <laughs> about you starting the uh, classic camera revival. I want to hear a little bit about the the origin of that. Actually, let's let's just go and do that right now. Like. Uh, what what made you start the the podcast, and how did you assemble the uh, motley crew that you have on there uh, at this point? <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing. Class of the Camera Revival was never actually originally supposed to be a podcast. Um, I I needed some way to start putting all these cameras that I had to good use, and what better way to do it than to start 
write a reviews on it. So the original name was actually Classic Camera Review, and it was just supposed to be a series of blog posts. Mm-hmm. Now, they did end up becoming blog posts, um, but my next thought was, you know what, maybe I should do a YouTube video series. So I started looking at a bunch of these YouTube videos, and I really liked the production value. And then I looked at how much it would cost me to get that level of production value because I don't like to do things, you know, start off with poor production value and build it up. I like to go right in 100% right off the bat, get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. You can't do that with video. Yeah, yeah. So I floated the idea to a couple of folks that I knew from the Toronto Film Shooters meetup. Now, a lot of people think that... Um, Toronto Film Shooters Meetup came out of Classic Camera Revival. In fact, it's the other way around. Classic Camera Revival came out of um, Toronto Film Shooters Meetup. Mm-hmm. And it was actually another member of the Toronto Film Shooters Meetup. Very good friend of mine, brothers in arms. In fact, we've been mistaken for each other before. Um who, when he saw Classic Camera Review, CCR, he said, oh, no, 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 you can't call it Review, you have to call it Revival. <laughs> As in Credence Clearwater Revival. There, well, there you go. that rang true to me because my father, um, big fan of CCR. Mm, so right. it's, it's just carried over. And um, the first person I got on board with the idea was John Meadows, huge film photographer, huge podcaster as well he did a photography podcast a couple years before fpp started up oh and what was, what was for, it called um i think it was my photography podcast or my third eye okay um, are those still to, out there i i think they're still out there yeah oh, wow i might have to check that out yeah <laughs> see a little bit of old school uh john meadows so yeah <laughs> yeah no and then um brought on board um, Mike Bataxi and his wife Donna as well and then slowly over time we've added Bill Smith, James Lee Trevor Black and um, yeah, no and it's just been a wild ride, we um, recorded episode the infamous episode zero which no one has ever heard because it never got <laughs> recorded and then but you know what, it was good because the next time we did it was much better and we uh-huh. had a lot of really good just roundtable stuff. And we wanted it with a Canadian slant with a focus on gear. Now, since then, we've we've sort of given it a little more rounded appearance with a lot more focus on lenses, technique, film, scanning, chemistry. And yeah, it's just... I really like it because we can keep ourselves focused on a singular topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are pretty good about staying on point, and and I yeah. like about it because man, there's a there's a ton of knowledge sitting around that table, man. You guys really, uh, yes. it, it kind of kind of baffles me how much how you y'all. I mean, how much I guess research goes into this before y'all record. So because uh, uh, as you know yeah. from uh, joining this podcast, there's absolutely no pre production that goes on other than just fighting fighting with Skype a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. Again, that comes down to my idea with what I wanted to do with the video. I wanted to get it right the first time. So usually we we have a Facebook group chat that we all chat and we come up with ideas and I schedule stuff and I sort of pre-plan ideas. 
and create Facebook events for the recording sessions where people say, this is what I'm talking about, this is what I'm talking about, this is what I'm talking about for the different episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we've really been able to narrow it down, especially with our with our latest season when we've gone to a two episode per month where we've done some months we have a roundtable episode and a focused episode. And later episode, later later months you'll see like months with two focused episodes for each. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I've noticed uh, the the little kind of quick hitters that's been coming out here lately, which I like. It's kind of a uh, where you kind of like. I think they just recently had one with uh, Bill and I guess it was James did the Spotmatic. Was that correct? That would have yeah. been Mike. Oh, was it Mike? Okay, okay, Mike Taxi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm a big uh, Pentax fan, and now I, I see that that we were just talking about trying to limit our our camera collection, and then I, I listened to that and I realized, you know, that's one Pentax I've not had as a Spotmatic. It's just kind of a kind of a hole in yeah. our Pentax life there. So yeah, yep. maybe, maybe I'll have to. Uh, um, maybe you guys costed me some money on that deal, but uh, I don't know. But uh, well, I'll send you. I'll send you the bill at the. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So uh, this is the the first segment. Like I said, we'd like to talk about what we did this week. So, um, mm-hmm. Alex, how about you go ahead and I'll try to, while you're doing that, I'll try to get Dustin Cogsdale to join us. I think he's set up and ready. So we'll have somebody to help me with these questions. So, uh, but yeah, how about, uh, what did you do this week, Alex? Um, well, thankfully, my, uh, my job allows me to take a um, good-sized lunch break. And working in Oakville, I got a lot of places to actually go and photograph on my lunch break. Um, this past week was, of course, World um, Film Photography Day on Friday. Right. So I was able to get out before the, uh, before the rain came in um, into beautiful, historic downtown Old Oakville. Um, you have a lot of buildings and churches that date back to the 19th century. Oakville, mm-hmm. of course, was founded in the 1830s by William Chisholm, um, who started up a general store, post office, shipbuilding organization. And you actually still see a lot of Chisholms in Oakville who can all chase them, trace themselves back to William Chisholm. Um, because I wasn't sure of the weather, I shot a roll of retro um, 400S through my recently acquired Minolta Maxim 9, which is slowly becoming a favorite of mine. Beautiful, beautiful camera. Um, Actually ran into um, Bill Smith at a um, local um, coffee shop, had a nice little chat with him. Um, I also shot a roll of um, Eastman 2366, which is a fine-grained positive duplicating film. Um, That's for a later um, film review this year. But I like to get a lot of the weird ones done early, especially when they're as slow as um, ASA-6. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, today I just processed the two of them. They're still hanging up in my uh, broom closet next, next to my musket, drying. Nice, nice. And uh, any, any, that sounds like pretty productive. Anything else this week that you kind of... kind of? Oh, um, got some color film back from the lab, scanned that. Um, thankfully, I have an Epson V700 set up at home for my medium and large format work. Um, and at work, I have a Nikon CoolScan 5 hooked up to my work computer where I can do stuff between phone calls. I work IT, so when people's computer go down, that's when I work. Every other time, I'm free to do other things. Nice. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty productive week myself. It was... Uh, um, it was. Uh, let's see, what else, What all did I do? Uh, well, uh, Friday was... Uh, Film photography day, and uh, and I took off that day because it was also my birthday. Uh, uh, luckily for oh, me, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Film Photography Day falls on April 12th every year. Uh, I think Lomography uh, basically made this holiday, uh, and that's Pretty fine. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that they picked that day, so because <laughs> I planned on taking off work that day. It's against my it's against my uh, my personal. Uh, uh, beliefs uh, system to work on my birthday, so I took off for it, and, and uh, um, and so I went out uh, Friday. We, we went out to eat, and then after that, we went to this park. But I, uh, for for International Film Photography Day or whatever they called it, I gave my sons uh, two little point and shoot cameras and uh, uh, thirty five millimeter point and shoots, and I was like, as gifts to them for Film Photography Day, they've never shot nice. film. Nice, so. yeah. And so we, after we went out to eat, we went to a little park kind of near the restaurant and uh I, I showed them how to load the film and just taught them a little bit uh, during uh, during our dinner uh, about mm-hmm. uh about rule of thirds and just a little bit about composition all i wanted to kind of wanted them to do is kind of try to concentrate on composition thus the point and shoot so i'll worry about the exposure triangle and all that stuff later if i can get them yeah. get them into this oh, you yeah. know and, uh, so uh, it was you know we went to this little park and i'm I was shooting the uh, the Leica R8, and uh, so uh, uh, I got to got a little had a little fun with that. But I, I didn't get as much done as I wanted to get done because I was having so much fun watching my my sons run around the park and and take photos and watching them trying to compose things. And I kind of just wanted to take pictures of them taking pictures, so kind of like a lot of photo walks, you know. But and uh, so that was that was pretty uh, pretty fun. And um uh, and then Saturday afternoon, uh, my youngest son particularly was like. Uh, can we go out today and and finish up my row here? And I'm only halfway through the row, and I'm like, yeah, 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 let's do that. So we went to another park, um, and kind of this was a, a much bigger park with a lot of woods and stuff. So we went back to kind of deep in the woods and um, let them kind of finish the rows. And uh, actually, the uh, the youngest wanted me to bring more film because he wanted to burn another row up. So he ended up shooting two rows in two days. So he's already doing better than I usually do. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, my Otis did about a row and a half. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it was just, it's been, it was really fun just to kind of get out there with my sons and, uh, kind of share something I'm really, really, uh, passionate about. So and I'm hoping, uh, you know, I don't expect them to be, you know, as super excited about it as as I am all the time. But it'd be nice if they can if they have some, it can maintain some interest in it. So we can. It's just a nice thing for us to go out and do together. So I think it's going to be something that will be you know kind of fun in the future. So, uh, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. And plus, you have a beautiful part of the United States there in Louisville. Oh yeah, you've you've been here. I've seen where you uh, actually did some some kind of a covert operations in my town. <laughs> Urban <laughs> exploration. <laughs> Yeah. I've also done a bunch of um, rooftops up in the downtown. Oh, okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. This is a. I, I like this town. I've lived yeah. here my whole life, and it's a. It's it's like it's a strange city. It doesn't really know if it's a big city or a small city, and it doesn't really know the attitude kind of reflects in that around here. The, mm. so the people are sounds like people. my hometown where <laughs> I still live. Yeah, and, and you're lo- are, Where are you located at? I'm I'm located in Milton, Ontario. We're um we're the fastest growing community here in Ontario, Canada. We're about a half hour west of um Toronto. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. Um yeah, so it was uh um and uh have you been to Louisville quite a few times or something? It sounds like you've been here quite a bit then, right? Um three or four? Wow. Yeah, no, wow. I had a um a friend of mine used to live there. Mm-hmm. Um, before he moved out to uh, Asheville, North Carolina, for um, to live with his girlfriend. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I can honestly say I have not even been anywhere in Canada. My wife has been to Toronto once, and she said it was uh, amazing, and she kind of wants to go mm. back at some point. So yeah, um, but so maybe we'll get up to that way. Yeah. So how far are you from Toronto again? About half an hour. Oh really? Okay. okay. Driving yeah from the uh, outer edge, a bit longer yeah. for the downtown core, but I don't drive into the downtown core. I'll take transit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Um, if the parking cost doesn't kill you, the driving will. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see. What else? I'm trying to think if there's anything else in my week that I kind of wanted to get out here. Um, oh, well, we had some people over last night to uh, have a little adult uh, adult celebrating of um, uh, birthday celebrations, I guess. And I did um, uh, pull out my uh, Polaroid One Step uh, One Step 2 and threw in a kind of a really old row of impossible uh, film in there. So we took some party shots with the uh, the Polaroid. There's nothing like a Polaroid in a party situation, man. It always oh. people just love it, you know. And yeah, so, yeah. There's something cool about it. Uh, let's see. I do wish they I do wish they developed like like the old Polaroids, so where you could just, just sit there and watch them. The whole flipping them over and not letting them get into light mm. for the first. It kind of takes a little bit of the fun away, but you know it's it's still. Yeah, I you guess. really want to you really want to get the uh, Instax for that one. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And I've never I've never gotten into the intact Instax system yet. So, but that mm. would be probably a better situation to actually watch the watch it developing in front of your eyes. That was always kind of <laughs> some of the magic about it, you know. But uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, okay, I think uh, let's uh, let's see what else is here. Yeah, I think I finished several rows of film through all this uh, thing. So I'm going to try to get those developed. Oh, that's another thing with my kids. I'm going to uh, I told them they're going to help me develop the rows. And uh, and then I'm gonna scan it for them, and then when I'm gonna let them pick whatever their favorite shot was out of the you know two rows or whatever that they shot, and I'm gonna you know kind of print an eight by ten and mat and frame it for the room. So I feel like uh, that'll be something they can hang in the room and be like, hey, hey, that's my first time shooting film, and maybe it'll remind them how cool film is, and I'll be able to get them out for these little family adventures a little more. So uh, that's kind of the whole plan with that. That's my my plan to sucker them into into film photography. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, it should be good. So, all right. I'm hoping well, guess... to. Um, I'm hoping to at least uh, try to get um, one of my nieces, or yeah. um, or my nephews into uh, film photography. But um, one of them, Aubrey, she's two. She just likes flipping through pictures on like phones or digital cameras right now. So, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in the letter I wrote her for her uh, second birthday, I talked about um, film photography and Polaroid. So. Hopefully. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think that's pretty much our weeks. And uh, I think I, at this point, I, I go ahead and take a break, and uh, maybe I can get Dustin Coggs on the line. I tried to get him on while we were talking there, and uh, something screwed up, and I think so. Uh, uh, we'll try to get him when we're on the break here, and uh, we'll come back with a second segment, and uh, we'll have uh, Alex answer the questions that people on the Negative Pauses Film Photography Podcast Facebook group uh, have uh uh, come through with flying colors again. I put the question out uh, like this morning because I'd forgotten to and uh, procrastinated and, and I thought, oh man, we're not going to get very many questions for the show and it turns out there's a ton of questions. So <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and get, uh, take, a, take a break and, and get enough whatever adult beverages we'll need to, uh, to kind of get to this next segment and then uh, we'll be right, <laughs> right back, folks.
All right, folks, we are back from the break. And uh, during uh, the break, we had a little more Skype issues, but hopefully this is all going to come out all right. And we'll actually have a show at the end of all this. But we did get uh, Mr. Dustin Cogsdale to join us on the line. He is, the, I guess, the the now the co, co-captain. co uh, He is Andre Dominguez tonight, so he will probably just talk bad uh, nonstop about watches and dragons and stuff like that. But uh, but uh, so, Dustin, how are you doing tonight, man? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm doing good. Um, I promise I'll keep the Game of Thrones talk to a bare minimum since you never know who's seen it. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm really glad Justin joined, Dustin joined, joined us because um, uh, it's, it's going to be kind of hard for me to read the, the Facebook questions and kind of, you know, uh, keep the conversation moving uh, smoothly. So uh, big help. And uh, Dustin, is there a, an announcement you want to make tonight or anything, or do you want to hold off on that? I just kind of want to throw that out there to you in case you wanted to uh, maybe spill the beans on something. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the show goes. Okay. Okay. Um, well, there you go. A little, that's, what, that's what they call in the business a, a little teaser. So uh, now you got to stay for the whole show to see if Dustin uh, kind of comes through with this. But uh, all right, let's uh, get to the um, uh, the members of the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Podcast uh, Facebook group. Uh, we always have people on that group ask our guests uh, questions, and they really came through in a, in, a, uh, in flying colors. Really, it was short notice today, and I, I appreciate everybody uh, coming through with uh, with the questions for for Alex. So. Uh, Dustin, what's the, what's the first thing we got on that Facebook group? All right. So Matt Jones starts us off by asking Alex, um, he'd like to know how you got hooked up with the FPP. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, I was on vacation in um, New York City, New Jersey, and um, I was walking through a nasty part of Newark, and um, this guy came out of me as an alley. He was bald and had a beard, and he said, hey, man. You want to write some show notes? <laughs> I am, of course, just kidding. Um, I started listening to the FPP about episode two or three, um, and you know, really got hooked on hooked on it. I hadn't really listened to many podcasts before. I'd actually listened to one podcast before that called Line Learn, Inspire, Motivate, um, and. Um, so that was in about '09. So I was shooting film semi-regularly, not as much as I was shooting digital by that point. Um, 2010, I donated a couple of uh, cameras to the FPP, um, a Lubitel 2 and a Practicum Super TL. Um, and then in 2011 they actually started putting out calls to have other people host FPP meets. So I hosted one in Toronto. Now, this predates Toronto Film Shooters Meetup by several years. Um, mm. And Matt Mirage actually showed up to that one. Look at which, him. Yeah, which was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that fall when I went to New York City... I got in touch with um, Mike Rosso and said, hey, man, I'm actually going to be staying in New Jersey. Um, I'd love to meet you guys. And mm -hmm. I ended up co um, being a guest on several episodes. 
Oh, yeah, I think yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, because I feel like uh, I maybe because I found you guys after I had kind of went through the entire FPP uh, catalog. Yeah. I, I started looking for other podcasts. I think your all is one of the the second, maybe the second podcast I started listening to. Mm. And, uh, and I thought, man, this voice sounds familiar. So <laughs> maybe that's what it's maybe it's what it's from. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um. So I think it was 2012. I started actually writing the show notes for them, and. I've been to several meetups. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get to any of the more recent meetups. The last one I went to was the Ann Arbor meet in 2015. Mm. But no, I, I I still write the show notes. I help them test films. I write guest posts for them. The last one I wrote for them was actually one that's very close to me, being um, a Canadian B um, military historian. Um, was one about some found negatives that took place um, during uh, the First World War. Um, and was able to tie in both my love of photography and military history. So, oh, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, um, let's uh, move on to the next question. What do we got next, Dustin? All right. So next we have Ian Barnaby Nutt coming through. Um, he asks, although I'm late every week, I really enjoy the hashtag photo chat. How do we get involved? Below that, Leonid Nikishin asked what it is and where it is. So I figure you go ahead and... Okay, so um, photo chat, um, that's something I got involved in on Twitter. So it's a weekly um, Twitter chat that takes place every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, if you have um, TweetDeck or Hootsuite... You can actually follow along different hashtags. So I have a whole bunch arrayed across my screen that I can follow in any browser window. It's it's sort of a browser application. Um, so what PhotoChat does is that it allows people to... It's a guided discussion. So I pick a theme every week, and I have four questions plus a sharing question as the fifth one that takes place over the course of an hour. Um... I was actually picked by a digital marketing firm to carry that on after they decided to change their focus overall. Um, they'd gone through two of their employees to actually host and moderate the chats every week. And apparently at a staff meeting, they're like, oh yeah, let's get the Canadian with the weird last name to um, <laughs> keep this going. Well, that turned out to be me. <laughs> and again, I've been hosting it ever since. I would love to get more people involved. And I was, I honestly kept this in the back of my mind for, um, for most of today. And I've come up with a few ideas and I hope to front it to the general group. And that is to actually have three different photo chats over the course of the day, the same three questions each time, but to do one for different time zones. So mm. one for the folks in Europe, one, the standard one for Eastern standard and one for the folks on the West coast. And, um, might not do it this week, but definitely the week following. So hopefully that'll get a little more more traction. Awesome. And so this is a, like this is kind of a live chat, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's and again, cool. it's a it's a different topic each week. I usually pull something out of my butt um, <laughs> on Wednesday, maybe even Thursday morning. But sometimes I actually have a couple things planned um, several weeks in advance, and I just have them queued up on my blog. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And where's the best place for people to find information about when and when and where those things are, are happening? Um, if you are on Twitter, um, definitely look at um, – so go to tweetdeck.twitter.com. You just log in with your Twitter username and password, and then you can just follow the hashtag photo chat or just follow me. I'm at AlexLuxPhoto. Okay. Okay. So if Perfect. you see my postings on Negative Positive Podcast, you can find the spelling of my last name. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I will probably check that spelling about, um, I don't know, 16 times when I do the show notes tonight. So make sure I get it right. But, <laughs> but uh, it's really not that difficult. But uh, I think I think you probably you probably get a lot of people that uh, act like it's, uh, I don't know, like a foreign language or something, I guess. But, uh, so, well, it is. It's not. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Dustin. And what do we got? What we got next? Okay, so next, Greg Ops asks if there are any tips and tricks for dealing with the brutal cold of Canada that you use to keep shooting, and are there any conditions that will still force you indoors? Well, the simple fact is, I love shooting out in the snow. It just makes everything look completely different from normal. The only thing that will really keep me inside is the same thing that will keep me inside when I'm out reenacting, and that's rain. I do not like going out in the rain. I went out at the beginning of March for um, a photo walk up in Collingwood, Ontario, and it was just disgusting. I do not like the rain. I do not like going out in the rain. I do not like photographing in the rain. Mm -hmm. Snow, completely different. Um, tips and tricks, um, get a camera that can handle the cold. I have my Nikon F2, which never misses a beat. Um, Bill Smith will swear by the uh, Nikon FM. Um, but if you are using a battery powered camera, get one that takes like AA batteries, just stick them in a Ziploc bag, um, put them close to your body. Um, and as for clothing layer, right? Mm -hmm, get a nice mm -hmm. pair of long john thermal top, um, good good pair of pants, warm socks, warm boots, gloves, hat, and just, and just go out and have fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I have a pair of, uh, I, I think my wife calls them like my hobo gloves or something that where I've cut the tips out of them. So I can mm. still operate my camera. <laughs> I have a <laughs> pair of those too, but they stay with my reenacting kit because I use those when I'm shooting my musket. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I, I, our practice space uh, for, the, for the, my band practice space, uh, it's not heated or cooled. Uh, oh. It's in a basement, so it's usually somewhat pretty moderate down there. But at times it gets pretty cold when the ground gets uh, super cold in a dead Ooh. dead middle of winter. So a lot of times I, I play guitar in the hobo gloves too. So, <laughs> but uh, it comes in handy. But um, all right, so uh, that's uh, some good tips. So uh, Dustin, what do we got uh, coming up next? All right. So Vicky and Bill Thu have a four-parter. Uh, not sure if this is equal field. I'm just gonna call them they. Um, they ask, "What makes a camera classic? Are there any currently manufactured cameras which are modern classics? Could an electronic camera, analog or digital, ever match a mechanical as a classic? And if not, will we ever see a new classic?" Okay, I was not looking forward to this question, but <laughs> hopefully the um, bourbon that I've been drinking helps me with this one. There you go. Um, I like your style. <laughs> what makes a camera a classic? Well, um, it basically means it's an icon. Like, you take a look at some musicians. you got Elvis. you got the Beatles. Um, they, are, they are iconic. They are 
classic musicians, but then you have some modern musicians as well. And you know what? Um, surprisingly enough, my wife is more metal than I am. Um, her and her brother recently went to um, the uh, Disturbed concert when they played up here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've listened to a few Disturbed songs. I could actually call them a modern classic. So what makes a camera classic? Mm, it's an icon. <laughs> right? So you have, you, have, you have cameras like the Nikon F2, the Nikon F, the Leica M3, the Leica M4. But you have modern cameras as well, the Nikon F5, the Minolta Maxim 9, the Minolta Maxim 7, um, even the Nikon F6. These are all iconic cameras. So yeah, if it's an iconic camera, if it stands out within popular culture in the public eye, then yes, it's a classic. And that's what makes it a classic. So yes, there are modern classic cameras. Like I said, you have the Nikon F6. Right, right. Um, sorry, the Nikon F6, the, Minolta, the Leica M6, um, the Minolta Maxim 9. These are all modern cameras. They were produced in the 90s, the 2000s. They are so, iconic. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear any Pentax in there. I don't know what's going on here. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> <sighs> the Spotmatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah you got it. K1000 is a classic, K1, right? Like, I have K1000 here. In fact, the K1000I have belonged to my late grandfather. Nice. And he passed it on to me. So mm-hmm. I would definitely consider the K1000 a classic. Yeah. I don't even yeah. What, what, what about Again. a what about a what about a camera? Now, this this would be a, one that comes to mind, uh, just because of the uh, kind of the trend that started in photography, whether people like that or not. But what about something like the Lomo LCA? I mean, it started a whole a movement in photography. So yes, uh, classic or not? Absolutely. Okay. Cool. cool. I would love right. to. I would love to try one. Wouldn't want to own one, but I'd love to try one. <laughs> I actually uh, almost finished the, uh, my first roll in mine uh, this weekend, so uh, I think I've just got a couple of shots left. And I think what I'm going to do is do the uh, uh, Stephen Byrne, one of the members of our Facebook group. He's uh, kind of notorious for taking uh, uh, finishing up rolls by taking a mirror selfie with his cameras. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I love the idea to to finish those last couple of shots. So uh, me and the LCA uh, might be LCA might be going into the the Gutterman throne room this uh, this weekend to finish up that <laughs> finish up that, uh, that roll. There's there's a building in downtown Hamilton, Ontario. And I was looking back through my Flickr feed, and I found an old selfie of myself in that building. So now whenever I'm in downtown Hamilton and I walk by that building, I make sure I take a selfie of myself in there, that building. So. There you go. Dustin, do you do any uh, any selfies? Any uh, do, you, do you follow in uh, with Stephen Burns' uh, uh, mode of, uh, of finishing a row that way? So you think something you'll, you'll do? Uh, occasionally. <laughs> It's it's less finishing a roll that way, and it's just if I see uh, usually I try to do them in puddles. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it usually nice. looks awkward with me hunched over the puddle. <laughs> <laughs> I do occasionally do them in like building, like reflective buildings and stuff too, and rearview mirrors, but not often in the throne room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where I get all my best thinking done. So, uh, yeah. And uh, so, but, um, okay. So uh, let's go on to the next uh, question. Did we pretty much cover that one? No, I think we got all of it, didn't we? 
Yeah. Okay. Let's move on then. All right. So this next one, I apologize. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. But oh yeah, he, yeah, that was that was difficult. He, yeah, <laughs> he does say, Eric. pronounce his name. It's Eric. Um, so Eric, I apologize. I'm not even going to try it. I don't want to butcher your name. But he does ask Looks an interesting Welsh. question. What's Do that? I? Looks Welsh. Yeah. Oh, okay. More Irish. Sure. <laughs> I guess it's fine. Uh, so he asks hypothetically. If you could wave a magic wand and discontinue one film emulsion to revive or create a new one, which would you choose? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, quite simple, and I know a lot of people would be very happy by my answer to this question. I would discontinue every single Fuji slide film just to get Across 100 back. Mm. I'm right there with you. Hands yeah. down. It would not even be a hard question. I'm, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just uh, I would discontinue any 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 Fuji emulsion just to get Plus X back. So uh, uh, you know that's that's where yeah uh, I'm good Actually, with that. Actually, you know what I I give up T Max 400 for Plus X and I give up T Max 100 for Panatomic X. Oh yeah, there you go. I do like the T. You you not like the T Max films? I, I do like them for certain applications, but I like T Max 100 for the simple fact that I can take it down to ASA 32. And develop mm. it, and it gives me a look very similar to Panatomic X. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Might have to try that then. Huh, I got a ton of 100 in the uh, refrigerator, so. And no, uh, you do it in Xtal. I haven't quite nailed down the Rodinol speed yet, but I got mm-hmm. one more roll of Tmax 100, so I hope to be able to nail it down this summer. Cool, cool. And what's what is? Uh, I haven't shot uh, the Panatomic X or whatever. What, what's the what's the distinguishing characteristic of that film? It has no grain mm-hmm. even in 35 millimeter and it has a wonderfully smooth contrast across it like mm. you you get your blacks you get your whites but it just has every grace every gray tone across mm. it just it has such a wonderful look to it so, so is it kind of similar to fuji's um, the acros or whatever acros yeah but you're you're much slower you're like at like i said it's asa 32 yeah, yeah, okay. Plus, an awesome name, Panatomic. <laughs> right, right. Kodak was pretty good at coming up with some awesome names. I got, I got to give okay. him that. But uh, yeah. All right. So um, let's move on to to the next one, Dustin. All right. So the next few are kind of along the same lines. I'm just going to kind of merge them together. Um, Frederico. Paglino asked what film you like shooting the least. And then Kevin Dillon asked if there was only one film and developer left, what would you prefer they be? All right. So there's been several films out there that I've disliked. Hands down. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, Delta 400, T-Max 400 um, are the two that really stand out in my mind. But the problem was is that I haven't been developing them correctly. They don't look the way I want them to until I figure it out, you know, through the simple process of reviewing them and developing them in different ways that I figured out, oh, yeah, you know what? I like Delta 400 now as long as I develop it in this. And I like T-Max 400 as long as I shoot it at this speed and develop it like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I I actually don't 
don't have a film that I don't like to shoot anymore. I just need to be able, I just need to, you know, pick and choose very carefully. If I'm in this situation, I shoot this, I develop it this way. If I'm in this situation, I shoot it like this and develop it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is, is that even if I'm anywhere and I walk into a store that sells film, I will be able to find a film that I can shoot and I will develop and I will like. And again, that, that takes time. It takes practice. It takes restraint. It takes moderation. Mm. Um, will there be films that I will generally avoid if I have something else? Absolutely. Again, Delta 400, T-Max 400. In those cases, when it comes to faster films, like 400 and up, I'll go more towards traditional grain films, HP5, Tri-X. Mm-hmm. For the modern T-grain emulsions, they look fake. Mm. <laughs> Do you think there's something with the T-grain emulsions? Uh, I guess the Deltas are T-grain too, technically, right? And, yes. Uh, so it, it makes them a little more picky about developers because it seems like that, that seems to be a lot of people that, that don't necessarily like those films. It's kind of the uh, – maybe they're just putting it, it, not developing it in the right the – best, the best developer for it. Uh, I don't know. They're too perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've had people kind of question uh, – T-Max uh, shots uh, as if they were digital, you know, because uh, mm. they're, a lot of times they do lack that that grain. But but then you got yeah. like, what do you what do you what do you have you shot the uh, the P thirty two hundred? What's your thoughts on that film? Because there's plenty of grain there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, I really like P two P thirty two hundred. I like Delta thirty two hundred. They are fantastic mm. films. Mm. Um, T-Max P thirty two hundred. You need to develop it in the T-Max. T-Max developer, Delta 3200, you need to develop it in the microfin. Mm. For microfin. And you'll get fantastic results okay. across the board with both of those. I think, think I might. Using using Rodan. What's that? No, Dustin? Okay. So you're saying I should not be using Rodan all for them? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? I think that I might be still in the thunder on a, on a, one of the upcoming questions, but uh, it seems like Alex, you've done a lot of experimenting with a lot of you know combinations of films and with different developers yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I'm, I've not been that person. I, I like I went literally from I started off with T Max developer years ago, and then uh, then I went to D76, and now I'm on HC110. I'm always just I just kind of stick with one for a long, long time, and I don't try to like oh i'm using this film i better try this developer or whatever i just don't uh, do that. but uh i guess you're going to tell me i'm missing out on on the glory of film photography but I- <laughs> here's the thing with film t- photography and the one thing that a lot of people don't um realize is that you can with film photography you can do as little as you want or as much as you want i started off and I would take my film to a local Henry store. They would ship it to a lab in Toronto called Silvano's. They would process it. They would scan it. They would give it back to me on a CD. I would pick the ones I'd like, and I would upload them to Flickr. Mm-hmm. Silvano's closed. And all of a sudden, Henry said, well, we can process your film as long as it's 35 millimeter." in C41. Uh. So I was grumbling and complaining about it on Twitter. 
and um, old school photo labs down in New Hampshire um, picked up on it and they said, hey, look, we do black and white C41 and E6. Send us your film. Well, I developed a great rapport with them, um, but it because of you know the delays in sending stuff from Canada to the United States and the dollar and the exchange, etc., just got economically untenable. Mm-hmm. So a coworker pointed me to uh, Burlington Camera. So I went to Burlington Camera, and I got in, and they ran C41, black and white, and E6 all in job. Wow. Mm-hmm. Working in Oakville, driving to Burlington was easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, about a month after I found them, they stopped their E6 and their black and white processing. But to her credit, Joan, the um, one of the owners. Now, Burlington Cameras have been in business for 60 years now, and it's been in the same family. So they're a mom and pop shop. She pointed me to and got me set up with everything I needed to develop my own black and white at home. So in that case, they're wonderful. And again, that was in about 2012. So, so Mm -hmm. I've been developing my own black and white film since 2012. Um, do I, do I have the capacity to do my own color C41 and E6 at home? Absolutely. I don't shoot enough to be able to do it. And again, I now I can I can mix up my own Kodak D twenty three if I want to. Mm-hmm. So again, go with what you want to right, do. Right. If you just want to shoot C forty one and send it off to a lab, cool. You're shooting film. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Dustin. Do you do a lot of uh, a lot of experimenting with developers, or are you just kind of kind of like me? <laughs> Uh, I, kind of like you, I, I, I use, um, Rodinol mostly, mm-hmm. uh, but then I also have HC110 and the T-Max developer for certain films, and I definitely do my 3200 with the T-Max developer. That's really the only thing I use that one for. Oh, yeah. Right. The developers right. I always keep in my kit, D76, HC110, T-Max developer, Rodinol, Pyrocat HD. Mm. And I keep the raw chemicals around for D twenty three. So nice, nice. Okay, so Dustin, did I screw up one of the questions by asking that? I think I might have, might have. I think there was a question about developers, but <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think there's one like later on that asks you okay. about like go to developer is. Um, but the second part of that question was he Kevin Dillon asked if there was only one film and developer combo. Um, that you could use, what would it be? And right, why? right. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm torn between T-Max 400 and HC110 and FP4 in D23. Mm. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. the simple fact is the first time I developed um, T-Max 400, um, Tri-X 400 and HC110 Dilution B, I pulled it out of the tank and it was just magic. Absolute magic. 
Um, and again, the same thing. I shot a roll of FP4 and developed it in D23. And again, the results were just magic. So I can't really say one way or the other, but as long as it's one of those two, I'm a happy camper. So cool. you're doing all these experimentations. I'm going to kind of put my own question in here because it just kind of flows. But what is it that you're looking for when you're, you know, you obviously have a certain look for you to prefer one developer over another for each specific film. So what is it that you're looking for to, you know, for the, the film to look like when they come out for these each specific mm. emulsion? Tonality. I like to see the shades of gray and the dark blacks and the clean whites. Just give me those shades of gray across the, across the, um, across the spectrum and I'm happy. Mm. What you're looking for is for each film that you develop to have those tones across mm. the whole spectrum. Yep. Perfect. I want to make it look like I see the world in black and white. Okay. All right. And what, what do you got next, Dustin? Okay. So next, Robert Brown asks, asks a question about the art scene slash photo scene in Toronto. He says, what is that like? And then do you print your work and what is your method for printing? The art scene is alive and well in Toronto. You just have to walk along Queen Street and you can see tons of galleries. Um, you have the Art Gallery of Ontario, which not only promotes sculpture and traditional painting, but they have photography. Um, there are tons of photo galleries in Toronto and just general arts arts um you have the distillery district which is an old um like the name implies it's the old Gotterham and uh warts distillery which is a huge arts hub in toronto you have schools like ryerson which has a dedicated photography program the college i work for sheridan college in oakville ontario which is part of the greater toronto area um, we have photography programs, and in fact, they've just resurrected in the uh, Bachelor of Photography program. The first-year students, they learn everything on film. They print in a darkroom. And oddly enough, despite the fact that I work in IT, I'm often answering questions for them about where to get film and where to get their film cameras um, repaired. Um, how do I print? I would love to be able to print more in the darkroom. And thanks to James Lee, who lives 10 minutes up the road from me, I have access to a traditional darkroom again. But the simple fact is, most of these days, if I'm printing, I'm printing digital shots. So I just take it to a lab and let them run it off on inkjet. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's nothing wrong with inkjet. I... I, I uh, um... I do a lot of inkjet printing, and as a matter of fact, my whole garage is full with inkjet prints hanging up in the ceiling right now off uh, <laughs> clotheslines to try to off-gas a little bit. I have an art show coming up uh, next weekend, and I'm uh, trying to got to frame some things, and and you know I have no no trouble with these things. So, uh, mm. and they've been they've been surviving my my fade torture chambered uh, garage window test so far. So, can't can't complain about the uh, about the longevity sort of uh, of it. So. Yeah, it doesn't matter as long as you print your work. That's right. I agree. I agree. And I just don't have, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you, anybody listens to the show, 
uh, knows I don't have enough time for photography right now. I just don't. And uh, it's, 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 it takes everything for me to get out and shoot photos. So that as much as I still have all this darkroom stuff I've accumulated, I still need a couple more things, but I'm in no rush to get into darkroom printing. Cause at this point, uh, I'm just fighting to find time to take photographs. So, uh, you know, when the time opens up, then then, then maybe uh, the darkroom will happen. And it's still in my plans, but I just can't, you know, can't commit to it right now. It's just uh, the little time that I have has got to go to shooting photos in a, and playing music. So that's kind of where I'm at with mm. it. But, yeah, Dustin, have you been pretty pretty busy in your darkroom, or are you, you, where are you at with it? Uh, not as busy as I do. <laughs> We're in event season for me right now at work. Oh, yeah. So I'm... I've had, you know, one real off day in the past month and it's, uh, you know, the next two weeks I've, I'm working both days through the weekend and it's it's a struggle for me to just be able to develop my film right now, much less get into the dark room and try to right. get something printed. Does it pretty much stay that way all summer with uh, all the festivals and stuff like that? or? Yeah, really the begin like the spring is when it blows up in the beginning of summer and then it's down like when it gets like in the dead of summer because nobody wants to stand outside drinking beer when it's a hundred plus degrees. And- <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was in the uh, Chicago area, I made a stop at uh, crown point and the, uh, and the uh, temperature gauge on my, uh, my car read 104 and I stepped out and it was like hitting a wall. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah down here. I got right. into my hotel in um, Indiana, and I just went and stood under a cold shower for half an hour. It was <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> well, you, you Canadians, you all have that thick blood, man, from the, the, the winter freeze just kind of thickens it up, oh. I think. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's nothing like uh, uh, the heat down south, man. I mean, we get it here in Kentucky, too. Yeah, we get, it's very humid here so uh, uh, in the summertime. But when you go down south, uh, I know when we were – We'll be driving down to Florida in the summertime, and of course it'll be hot here when we leave. But we get down to like deep Alabama or something like that, and you've been in an air conditioned car for you know five six hours, and then you, you step outside and get gas or fill up you fill up on gas. And you're like, oh my god, it's like walking into a a hot wet blanket, man. <laughs> the the worst was was in um, 2013, and I was in Morrisburg, Ontario. And I was doing the reenactment for the uh, 200th anniversary of the Battle of uh, Chrysler's Farm from the War of 1812. And we were in that hot, sticky weather. And we were all dressed head to toe in wool. (laughs) And after every battle, after standing in the hot sun carrying a 15-pound musket, um, we would basically strip down to our skivvies and we would go jump in the St. Lawrence River. (laughs) <laughs> and it would just cool us down. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, what do we got next, Dustin? How are we doing on questions? Are we getting through these things, or is there still a bunch left? We're, we're chugging through them. There's still okay. a good chunk left. I'm trying to read through and pick which ones yeah. we're going to omit, but I think um, we're, we're chugging through them right now. Okay. So next we have Sean Nelson. He says that, Alex, you've been his go-to guy for developing, so... He has a couple questions for you. One, what got you hooked on developing your film, which I think you've already touched on a little bit. Mm. And two, are there developers that you have not experimented with, and what are they? Well, to uh, answer question number one, um, actually two two answers. The first, 
Um, my friend Julie Douglas, she's actually the one who taught me both how to develop my own film, um, of course, after high school, and she taught me how to print in the darkroom. Um, so yeah, she she just got me hooked on all that. Unfortunately, I didn't have time or money to be able to invest in the equipment at the time, so that took place a couple of years later. Um, so... In that case, it was going to uh, the 2012 photo stock event hosted by uh, Bill Schwab and seeing all these fantastic photographers. And they printed their work and they developed their own film that is like, yep, nope, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm going to do this. And I've taken over my parents' laundry room to do all my developing in. And now the kitchen I share with my wife. Thank goodness I do all the cleaning so <laughs> she does not mind me playing with chemicals. Um, as for the developers, I haven't really experimented with. The big one would be Diafine. And that's simply because it costs a lot of money and it just lasts forever. And mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, yeah happy, uh... I'm happy with what I have. So. Mm-hmm. I use a, I use the kitchen to do my a kitchen sink to do my developing in, and I, and I swear I think my wife knows when I'm getting ready to develop film because she'll make sure there's tons of dirty dishes in there that I have to clean and put away. <laughs> so <laughs> she gets her kitchen cleaned out, out of the deal. So I there think you go. Uh, yeah, uh, you know it's part of her plan, I guess. But uh, it's 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 a it's a price I'll pay for. Uh, it's only fair. For, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, what's that? What's next, Dustin? Okay, so next, Robert Lanez asks, what is the most regretted camera you have ever owned? And I'm assuming what he means is what camera has sucked the most. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica SQAM. Oh, man. Uh, It's easy for you. Yes. Um, Veronica and I have never really gotten along. The optics are fantastic, but the cameras, the actual bodies, and the SQAM is the worst of the lot because it is a battery hog. Because not only do you need um, a CR123A battery, you also need like eight double A's to drive the motor drive on it. Yikes. It just dies halfway through the roll it will just die for no reason whatsoever so yeah no sqam it might look cool but avoid it (laughs) bodybuilder to carry that thing around yeah (laughs) what's what's its weight like compared to like a pentax 67 i've never i've never had a a, never held a bronica so are they are they as, as as tank tank like as everyone says as far as their weight the SQAM is pretty darn heavy. Yeah, um, yeah. I would, I would carry um, a Pentax six seven two um, for a couple of kilometers before I'd carry um, an SQAM for a meter. <laughs> nice. And, you know, it's funny. It seems like every time the Bronica name comes up when people talk about them, they either it's, it seems like it's either love or hate camp. It doesn't seem to be anything in the middle with the, with the, with when it comes to Broncos. Yep. It seems like yeah. Yep. Nope. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. We're kind of getting to a point where we should probably take a break here soon. But let's uh, let's get through maybe a couple more. Dustin, what what, what, what we got? 
Okay, I think we can make this happen. We only have about four good ones left anyway. Okay, let's just get to those then. All right. Okay. So we'll start with Sven. You kind of just answered that one as well. He asked, um, this is Sven Olav Humberset. He asked, if you had to pick between a more battery-driven version of a camera compared to an older mechanical version, which would you pick? And he says you could only own one of them for a pretty long time, um, which would probably last longer and serve longer, be more stable. I guess he's asking what you would pick for longevity-wise and which one you would just prefer. And then second, he kind of puts a hypothetical out there of the king of Persia hires you to teach his son film. And if he's bitten by the bug, you get $450 million Canadian dollars. <laughs> which camera do you choose to get him bitten? Okay. To answer the first one, it honestly really depends on the on on the camera. Um when it comes to medium format and you had a choice between a Hasselblad 500 CRCM versus a Bronica SQAI, it would be the Hasselblad every day. Um, yeah, they're expensive. They're expensive to fit. They're fixed. They're expensive to own. But it won't let you down, hands down, no matter what you have. Um and actually, the Hasselblad 500 would actually be the camera I'd pick. Um, I remember when I got my Hasselblad 500C, um, I looked through that waist-level finder, and I did a close-focus shot, and it just looked three-dimensional on that viewing screen. And then when I pulled the film out and developed it, it was just nothing like I'd ever seen before. So... So yeah, no. Um, Nikon wise, people are probably going to hate me, but I'd probably pick my Nikon F5 over any mechanical one. Um, probably go same with Minolta. I'd take my Maxim 9 over any um, mechanical Minolta. So hmm. when it comes to SLR, I'd probably pick something from the 90s, 2000s um, for, for simply for longevity because. Um, you take it into a situation, people would immediately look at it. And even though you're shooting film, they'd think you'd sh be shooting digital and they would treat you like a god. <laughs> there you go. Cool. All right, Dustin, what we got? Okay, so next is a good one. Uh, Mr. Kevin Lane asks, um, how do you go about matching a certain developer with certain film special ones? All right. So that comes down to record keeping. Um, essentially, all I need is to find um, a developer and time combination. I can go back into a massive Excel spreadsheet and I can filter it out. And if I find a matching exposure index, film developer and combination, I will then prepare use that with that film. So take, for example, um, the FPP's DerevPan 400. Mm -hmm. The developing time for D76 matched that of um, Roli Retro 400S. So I promptly started using the developing times that I had, such as PyroCAD HD and Microfin, and I got good results out of it. So it's just a matter of keeping track of what you've done 
and then you'll be able to do it. And again, especially with black and white film, you have so much forgiveness Mm -hmm. that even if you're off, you'll still be able to tell whether you're a minute off or 30 seconds off. So that's so my not, secret. Not just it's not not a guess. It's a it's an educated guess from based it's an on educated based guess. On, it's yeah, it's, it's simple record record keeping and Excel is great for that. I work IT. I see the power of keeping databases and being able to search them and filter them. So yeah, my guesses are are educated guesses because I've shot so much film. <laughs> there you go. Sounds like there you need to load your database somewhere. There you go. No. There's just so much in there. And you know what? Every time I find something that works with one film type that I've discovered from another film type, I will send it to the folks who do the massive dev chart so that it is public knowledge. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I was expecting you to announce the, the Alex uh, Lauk's uh, uh, film uh, developing app. Uh, I, thought that, I, thought that was, I thought that's where this was going. But, uh. <laughs> also, if you take a look at my Flickr, I just divulge everything. You can, you can search stuff on Google. You can search stuff on Flickr. And I just put everything out there exactly how I develop it, exactly how I scan it. So I, I fully believe that the internet is designed for sharing knowledge and information and i i can't keep it to myself because then it only helps me right i'd rather right. see it help other people who are getting into this i agree i agree that's how we keep this thing going yeah yep. yeah sharing information that's for sure all right dustin what we got all right so gary clennon asks what would you consider the three best medium format portrait lenses ever made Ah. The Pentax 105 2.4, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> everyone would think I'd say that, but I've never <laughs> shot that lens. Oh, yeah? The I simple fact to, is the being there. best What's that lens. We'll let him go. Okay. The best lens you can use for a subject is the one that gives you the results that you like. Or if you're getting paid for a job, gives you the results that your client likes. Um, I I do most of my wedding work on 35 millimeter. Um, if I'm doing medium format, I'm picking a normal lens, so that would be about an 80 millimeter. So I've shot um, a Zeiss Planar 80 f 2.8. And I've gotten fantastic results out of that. Mm-hmm. So the simple fact is um, drag a willing or unwilling subject out, shoot a roll of film. Do you like it? Yes, fantastic. There's the lens you want. Yeah. Right? Um, if you like it on a normal lens, then then that's your lens. If you like a short telephoto, if you like a slightly wider lens, it all depends on what you're going to. The best is subjective. Don't listen to reviews, even though I write reviews about lenses and films and cameras. Unless you like it, my my word is my word. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think it, it, with modern lenses or any, any actually almost any lens made uh, for most of these systems out there, um, I don't know. I'm not a lens snob. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't tell the difference between the damn things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. maybe some cheap plastic zooms, which I hate. Uh, I can see that they're not as sharp as my prime lenses, but that's about as far as I can go between di- distinguishing anything, you know? And uh, so, yeah, but, uh, okay. So, um, all right, Dustin, what we got? Okay, so we have. Uh, did you have any comments, Dustin, on the uh, on the lens thing? Or I, uh, I always, I always, I, I always kind of a lot of experience shooting portraits, but listen, from listening to CCR, I was certain I was going to hear something about the um, the Zeiss one hundred and fifty, but <laughs> <laughs> that is the one lens I need for my Hasselblad kit. But I also need to get my Hasselblad kit repaired first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. What's next? Okay, so I'm not sure if we want to answer this. Um, <laughs> this is next one from James. <laughs> <laughs> James Lee is the one who lives ten minutes up the road from me. Oh, yeah. good. So you can you can uh, you can like throw some eggs at his house or toilet paper his trees Ooh. or something if it, the question's not good. I guess so. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm gonna he he first time listener he says, um, how much of your personal time on a monthly basis do you spend preparing for writing show notes and maintaining the CCR? Also, given the recent rise in film photography slash analog podcasts, are there any areas, aspects of the culture slash community that should be more or that should be more and which ones are already overexposed? Okay, well, um, I probably spend a good three, four hours a week um, doing the background social media work and blog posts for um, the CCR podcast. Um, I am blessed with a job that allows me a lot of downtime, that allows me to work on personal projects between actual work. Um if I wanted to, if I wanted to monetize CCR, there's a good chance that I could probably do it as a full-time job. But I, we probably would lose what makes CCR CCR, a bunch of amateurs with some professional experience behind us. We love shooting film. We love talking about cameras. We love talking together we love getting together there's a really esprit de corps within the ccr gang which james lee is a part of (laughs) um and i don't want to talk down to him because he serves a good scotch um (laughs) so yeah there is a lot and i can't take all the credit john meadows does all our editing and recording and engineering and he does a fantastic job ccr wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for john meadows um as for the rise of photography and analog podcasts i think that's a good thing Mm -hmm. because there are ones like negative positives ccr fpp that just do the gamut we just talk about anything and everything Mm -hmm. but then you have the specialized ones you have large format photography podcast you have the lensless podcast you have classic lenses that really dig in deep and i do feel bad that ccr we do talk about lenses in (laughs) some episodes 
and specifically about film and chemistry and other episodes that were kind of sharking on other people. But <laughs> you know what? We give it our own slant and it mixes the market up. And yeah, we've gotten a lot of negative feedback. And I really do blame the scotch on that one. <laughs> um, we have other people that say we talk too much about Nikon. Well, yeah, we talk about the cameras we love and we shoot. And a lot of us shoot Nikon. I shoot Nikon. Bill Smith shoots Nikon. Um, James Lee shoots Nikon. John Meadows shoots Nikon. So, yeah, we talk about what we know. Mm -hmm. And with any podcast, if you don't like listening to us, you can go away. We don't care. <laughs> right, right, right. And CCR, I do think that... CCR started, we shouted into the void. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be as popular as we are today. Yeah. And yeah. I bet you can you can um relate to that Mike. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was I I couldn't believe when I just started seeing re, uh results that I was getting any listeners and it took it took quite a long, long time. I I had to like throw tons of podcasts at the at the wall until it finally started sticking a little bit and uh uh but I do think that I do like the fact that there are so many out there, and and a lot of people are like, well, "Do we need any more film podcasts?" Blah blah blah, and and I th I think you know we need as many as people want to put out because it doesn't matter if some of the shows are talking about the same things or whatever, or say some news story comes out and every podcast talks about it because everyone's going to have a different perspective or a different view or a different angle to approach hmm. uh, with that. So I think it's a I don't think there's any problem with a little bit of crossover with some of the podcasts as well. So uh, I think it's all it's all good. I think the more voices, the better. And, Plus uh, the fact that, that the simple fact is that a lot of us who are the results of the FPP and oh, yeah. I admit it fully that CCR grew out of the film photography podcast mm -hmm. and they are truly the, the start of that resurgence of film podcasts and the popularity of it. Um, I will give Mike Rosso the credit where it's due hands down oh absolutely absolutely but the fact yeah. is is that it is just untenable to get all of us together all at one time to talk on one subject mm -hmm. that would just be boring right <laughs> there are some podcasts right. out there that are super serious and then there's ones like ccr where <laughs> by our third forced episode we are half a bottle down of the good stuff and we are three frigates worth sheets to the wind <laughs> and it shows <laughs> and i am not ashamed <laughs> and you shouldn't be i mean hell if it takes you three or four episodes in one day before you get to that point hell i get to that point have you know in one episode uh usually every week so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh all right, good stuff. Uh, yeah. Dustin, do we have anything else? Where are we at? Um, I think we're going to leave. finish up with Nick Bull's question. He asked what the, your favorite photograph that you have taken. Mm. Had. There are so many answers <laughs> to this question, but I'm going to focus on one. I was in Arras in France in 2015. It was pissing rain. I had just spent a week surrounded by comrades in arms. And I am quite literally saying they were comrades in arms. Because we had just finished doing 
three days worth of public display for the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo in Waterloo in Belgium. And the night before, we had all gathered together in a um, bar in Brussels in Belgium, and we had gotten piss drunk. (laughs) And the next day, we had basically all split our separate ways, our little group, company number five, Pins Panthers, from the 1st North American Battalion, British North American Battalion, we had all gone our separate ways. Some of them had gone back to Canada. Some of them had gone on a bus tour. Some of them had gone off on their own. I had gone off on my own. Now, this was my first time in Europe. And I had gotten on a high-speed train um, just outside of Brussels. And I had taken that to Lille in France. And then an inner-city commuter to Arras. And it was just raining. And I'd gotten into my hotel. And I was sitting there going, oh, do I want to go out? Do I want to go out? And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. No rain's going to stop me. <laughs> Put on my coat, loaded a roll of Triax into my contacts, G2, got my digital camera. And I just went out. And it just got pissing rain, pissing rain. And this was a Monday. There wasn't much open in the old part of Arras. Now, Arras is a medieval town, mm. um, completely destroyed during the First World War, rebuilt in the 20s and 30s, wasn't really touched during the Second World War. Um, and I was under this overhang, and my gut was telling me, something interesting is going to happen. Something interesting is going to happen here. <laughs> And I had a 28 millimeter lens on, so it was wide. And all of a sudden, I see this car, and I see this guy sort of hunched down. And I'm like, there it is. Camera up, the contacts, click. Put it down. I finish the roll. I go back to my hotel room. I dry off. I try escargot for my first time in my life, thinking that's (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) So skip ahead a couple weeks later. I've done three weeks in Europe. Um, My credit card was not happy. My bank account was not happy. Um, But I'd had an experience like nothing before. The Waterloo event, we had done two battle demonstrations, two hours each. It was seriously the Super Bowl of reenacting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 100,000 spectators, 5,000 reenactors on the field, 200 artillery pieces, 500 cavalry. The bayonet that I still use has gouge marks from French cavalry sabers. <laughs> but I'm processing my film. I have some Plus X. I have some Tri X. I have some Panatomic X. And I'm processing it all. And I pull it out and I'm looking at the roll from Barath. And I'm like, there's that shot. That's beautiful. So I take it into the dark room and I print it. Looks fantastic. So. I'm chatting with a couple of girls at this point, you know, wondering everything. And one of them, I I print this 
this print. I call it Rainy Day in Arras, and it's this guy hunched over in the car, and and I give it to her for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Her name's Heather. Well, that gets us talking, and we start dating at the end of February. We're engaged by August, married by April the next year. Oh, wow. Man. That's my wife. That's incredible. No wonder that's your favorite photo. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That is my favorite photo. Wow. Makes sense. Man. Yep. I, I can't I can't top that. I'm not even gonna try. Like I <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right, Dustin, that pretty much uh, take care of us on the questions? Yeah, I think that I think that um I think that gets us. Unless you cool. wanna answer your um the most final question that was given to the group, um Ed Conde asked APS revival for or against? <laughs> I have never shot APS <laughs> ever. Well, period. Well. End of story. Oddly enough, one of our season one episodes of CCR, we actually talked about APS well before you, Mister Gutterman. <laughs> um, so well, you're you know the I, I probably stole it from you all. That's, that's what I do. I steal content from other podcasts. So. <laughs> You know what? There are some incredible APS SLRs out there. Nikon produced the Proina line, mm-hmm. um, the Vectus line from um, Minolta. As a system, I can see its potential. Right, right. Well, okay. I mean, it is it is the hottest film and trim and film photography, the hottest trend in film photography. I the mean, you know, there's no question about that. Is, yeah. is that <laughs> the last? <laughs> Hated it. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, yeah, yeah. And it came in far too late. It did, it did, yeah. Uh, and I also, just... the market they targeted was wrong. Oh yeah. APS, you have to remember, was a replacement for one ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one ten shooters didn't want SLRs or point and shoots the same size as thirty five millimeters. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. The marketing was terrible on that. Yeah, it was it was obviously like a last ditch effort to try to get some money in the coffers when digital was was looming. Yeah. And uh I just like it because it's it's so cheap to buy the cameras and shoot the film. If you home develop, I mean sending it out oh, is yeah. expensive. But but doing it yourself, it it is so cheap. Like I'm shooting for dimes dimes on the dollar, man. Like it's uh it's it's uh it is extremely cheap. And and plus just being it just makes me a cool kid because it is the hottest trend in yeah. film photography and everybody knows yeah. that. But uh uh but I, I <laughs> I was actually reading through the manual for my uh, Nikon CoolScan 5 and uh, prepping a review for it for release in June? June. Yeah, June. Um, And one of the actual accessories for it would take APS cartridges. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this scanner has improved my 35 millimeter scans like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it is incredible, and the fact that I didn't have to pay a cent for it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Can't beat that. Can't beat that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got our customary APS shout out out there. I know Dustin's super happy that we got that out because I mean, Dustin is he's been he's been trying to fight it, but he's man, he's right on the border of of, of Joining the revival, I know he is, and uh, but uh, and I, really I will put it. I will put it out here, right here, right now. I would shoot APS before I shoot half frame thirty-five millimeter. 
Oh, there you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks everybody from the Facebook group uh, for these uh, awesome questions. Sorry if we didn't oh. get to some of them, but uh, uh, you know we got a lot of questions to get to, and sometimes we have to eliminate some. But uh, definitely, thank you everybody uh, that uh, submitted uh, questions to uh, Alex. It really helps us helps us out big time, and and big uh, shout out to the Facebook group for coming through in the last minute. To oh man, it's this great. Out. Yeah. Um, the one question I wish was asked. And I will answer right now. The camera I'd take to the zombie apocalypse would be the oh, Nikon yeah. F2. Really, really. I would probably oh, yeah. take the I'd take the Pentax six seven because you could definitely bash in their their brains with oh. the, the Pentax six seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Sort> no. <laughs> Dustin, zombie apocalypse. Zorky. What's yeah. that? A little Zorky four. Oh, okay. Is it because you you wouldn't be afraid of it uh, getting destroyed by zombie 100%, guns? One hundred percent, yes. <laughs> the Very camera nice. is ridiculously heavy, and I wouldn't even take it to use as a camera. I would literally only take it to use as a weapon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know how much you're really going to be looking to document the thing. I think you're just trying to survive at that point. So, <laughs> see, this is why I keep a musket in my broom closet. <laughs> <laughs> just for that, that apocalypse i get it yeah all right. out, so <laughs> and all right. for people who say wait no you've got to be joking about the musket oh no i have an actual new land pattern light infantry musket and a steel bayonet in my oh. room closet <laughs> oh you're ready you're definitely ready <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> All right. Well, um, again, thanks for the uh, for the questions, and let's go ahead and take a break, and we will um, uh, figure out how to wrap up this uh, this program uh, for our last segment. So, uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back, folks. Folks, we're back for the final segment, and I uh, just want to – I got a couple questions I kind of thought of while we were uh, uh, do, doing the Facebook questions to Alex. And uh, so let's go ahead and get the, a couple of things that, I, that just kind of triggered with me. But um, first thing I want to talk about is you kind of mentioned uh, how you liked 90s, some of the 1990s uh, kind of full-featured SLRs and and oh. said that, you know, that you, you kind of considered even some of them kind of classics. And I've always – I've kind of wondered this because I have a couple of – uh, late eighties or, you know, early to mid nineties, uh, kind of, kind of pro spec kind of SLRs. I have like a Pentax PZ one P it's like one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed. And then of course you can look at my Leica R8, my Leica R8, and, uh, it has a one eight thousand second shutter speed and, you know, it's, it's an all electronic camera and I, I, I love these cameras, man. And, uh, just the, the features oh. and, and all that stuff. And they don't get a lot of love because they don't look as cool as like the old metal classic cameras, you know, and all that stuff. But do you think that we're going to start seeing those prices go up on those as well? Like we have in, in a lot of the other film cameras, because just right now they're, they're I mean, they're kind of bargains. I mean, maybe not the Leica, but like that Pentax, no. uh, you can get it for less than a hundred bucks, you know, and it's, it's a pro spec camera, you know, and it does, it's amazing. And, uh, but it's so cheap. And I, I wonder, 
do we will we see the the 1990s kind of plastic fantastic uh, uh, supercomputer film cameras uh, start uh, gaining? Uh, do, you, do you see them gaining uh, uh, any more love or, or increase in, in prices? Um, the consumer grade cameras probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, you have cameras like the um, Nikon F80 or N80 for you Americans. Um, they probably won't see much of an uptick in price. Um, you take, for example, the Minolta Maxim 9. Now, that is a pro-level camera. You will not see that drop in price. Um, I paid a pretty penny for mine. Um, worth every penny? Absolutely. It is the perfect fusion between the Nikon F5 and the Nikon F4. But the simple fact is, it has all the features of my Nikon F5 and all the dials and manual controls of the Nikon F4. And it is beautiful. It fits perfectly in my hand. You get the VC9 grip on it, and you have a camera that will not steer you wrong. Um, The Nikon F5s actually have dropped in price. And if you want a pro-spec Nikon SLR with one of the best meters in the business, and you have a bunch of Nikon AF lenses, that, or even AFS lenses, you have a beautiful camera that you can get for under 400 these days. Mm-hmm. And the Nikon F5, the Minolta Maxim 9 have been two grail cameras of mine, and now that I have them, I feel that I just am complete. I have the cameras I want in 35 millimeter, and I am content. Mm. Dustin, what do you think about the the '90s uh, SLRs? Uh, did you have do you have any any that you prefer or like, or do you, or do you think they, they they're unloved somewhat un- unjustly? Uh, I think for the most part, most of them are justly unloved. Uh, it's one of the <laughs> consumer brand ones because, you know, sure, you could pick them up and put decent lenses on, like the little Canon Rebels and stuff, but there's not a whole lot that you can do with them um, as far as, like, feature-wise. Mm-hmm. And they, I guess their redeeming quality in them is that you can get them for pennies at stores and stuff like that. But um, I was just talking people today about how the every first of all everybody's posting about this camera but that f100 the nikon f100 has like blown up in price over the last month it's almost <laughs> double what and mm. i see that one just climbing because it's got a lot of the same features f5 and f6 but in a smaller package um yeah that the, that max nine you know uh i've seen that one steadily climbing just a little bit but i don't pay attention to the autofocus cameras too much i don't shoot them really i have a canon elon 7e that i shoot um when i get a camera and i i found that one at a thrift store um as well they have two elons that i found at thrift stores so i don't really look at the prices of them on ebay too much um i just happened to be looking at that f100 because i was like man it's got camera let me see uh, what they're going for, and I just started watching them, and then I saw the price just steady climb. Mm. 
I will say it is nice. So when you get a hold of one of the better ones of, the, of that era, and when you have that like one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed, that can open up a whole lot of opportunity to do some you know shallow depth of field and bright sunlight, you know. And I, I, I do like that. And I'm not you know I don't mind manual focus or autofocus. It, whatever whatever the camera is, I'm fine with it. And as I get older, I can sometimes autofocus is a a big benefit to my eyes, <laughs> but uh, so it does. Also, happen. I will take your one eight thousandths of a second and raise it to one one twelve thousandths of a second on my Maxim nine. Yeah, I've heard about that. There's a Minolta that has that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, Maxim nine. Yep, and wow. I got it. <laughs> Perfect. Do they do they have lenses on that system? Pardon. How are the lenses on that system? Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's Johnny Sisson from uh, Classic uh, Lenses podcast. He loves the Minolta glass. Like he always speaks very highly of it. So he's, um, he's been trying to pawn off lenses on me, and, and my <laughs> wife and I go to Chicago in the fall. Um, central camera is a stop, and I sure hope I find a one thirty five f two point eight. Maxim lens because I'm going to buy it like flat <laughs> hands down no questions asked there you go there you go Johnny you have your homework cut out for you make sure you have that in stock when he shows up so, but, uh, I um, believe he does oh uh, look out look out uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get up to Chicago sometime this summer and have like a oh. photo walk up there and, and and visit Central Camera. I think start the photo walk there would make the most sense because everybody wants to go there anyway. So yeah, but there are there are two cities in America that I would happily move to. Chicago is one. Boston's the other. Mm, mm. I've never been to Boston. Yeah, but um, never been to either. Really, really, yeah. I just love cities that are just steeped in history. Mm-hmm. Just put me in a city, give me a couple of rolls of film and a camera that I love, and I will entertain myself. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And the other question, I, it's kind of on the same vein in, in, in a way. Uh, these, uh, I, I read an article today. I think someone posted on the Facebook group that was talking about, uh, you know, just the ridiculous rise in prices of these compact, uh, the the hip compact uh, thirty five millimeter cameras, and how outrageous they are. And and they were actually, you know, throwing out some other suggestions as like cheap alternatives that will do the same thing for a whole lot less money. Uh, but how do you feel about the uh, this this compact camera craze and and the point and shoots and and just the ridiculous prices some of them are commanding? I think it's out of control, and and you, it, I won't be open my wallet for any of them uh, but uh but like how do you feel about those ignore the hype shoot what you <laughs> yeah. love right right if you love to shoot a contacts t3 and can pay the money for one go and shoot it show me your work mm-hmm. right i mean i can shoot in the same day my Nikon F5, my Maxim 9, my Rolleiflex 2.8F, and my Holga. And I love every single shot I get out of all those cameras. If you love it, shoot it. But ignore the hype. I agree. Ignore I agree. the hype. Yeah. 
And like, you know, I, I, I uh, had been lusting after a stylus Epic for a long time just because I had one and sold it stupidly when I got into my digital days or whatever. And uh, and honestly, I, I think it, I just I, maybe I over romanticized how much I like that camera because I really when I had it, I didn't shoot it that much. But yeah, uh, so I got that's a little why pen. I gave mine away. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I got this little Pentax UC1, which is very spec-wise, very compatible, and actually has a couple of features that the Stylus Epic didn't have. And I'm like, it's kind of quenched it, but but I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be first to admit if I see a Stylus Epic at a thrift store, I'm buying it. But I, but you know, but uh, have but a uh, we have a future CCR episode coming up called the uh, POS PNS Challenge, where essentially I'm going to go around this summer. And I'm going to go to every thrift store I can find, and I'm going to find every single cheap piece of shit point and shoot <laughs> that I can get my hands on for under five bucks Canadian. I'm going to put them in a box, and I'm going to have the CCR gang stick their hand in the box and pull out a camera, load it up, develop it, and talk about it on an episode. Oh, I like this. I like this idea. That's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, good idea. All right. Well, that's kind of the uh, the questions I kind of wanted to get out to you, Alex. And uh, and man, just uh, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. It's it's good to kind of check off all the classic camera revival members one by one on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely get Bill Smith and uh, John Meadows, and yeah. you'll have the uh, you'll have the core gang. Yeah, I've had Bill. I've, I've had Bill and James at this point, but uh, oh, but I, so I'm still yeah. need to get John. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, and uh, I think we, we actually were supposed to have Bill on a second time because we wanted to have him on to talk about uh, accessories and filters. <laughs> so <laughs> I get real nerdy. <laughs> oh yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So um, okay, uh, and then I guess uh, how about uh, Alex? You go ahead and tell people where to check out all your stuff and uh, and where to find you and about the podcast and all that stuff. All right, so the best place to find me and all my links to social media, including the Classic Camera Revival, is on my website, and that's www.alexlokes.com. All one word, Lokes is spelled L-U-Y-C-K-X as an X-ray dot com. Um, you can find links to my Alex Lokes Photography Facebook page, my Flickr account, Twitter, Instagram, 500px. You can also... Links for my blog and details on the Classic Camera Revival on the CCR link. And if you're in Canada or thinking about coming to the GTA, you can find information about the Toronto Film Shooters meetup there as well. Awesome. Is that it? That's it. All right. And Dustin, uh, <laughs> you've got a... Uh, mate, well, you sent me a little call in. Should we, should we insert that right here? You think this is a good spot for it? Sure, why not? Okay, well let's uh, let's do this. I'm here to tell you about the hottest new podcast on the block. Yes, another new podcast, but trust me, you are not going to want to miss the Grainy Days podcast. Join Mac McDonald, Pete Donovan, and myself weekly as we chat with guests, pick on each other, and just have a pretty good time. 
It's not all about goofs, though. At its heart, it's a podcast about getting into the mind of the photographer and the processes that drive them. With lots of great guests lined up, it's sure to scratch that itch that you have. You. Except that itch. You're on your own with that one. Anyways, episode one is available now where all great podcasts can be found. And be sure to check us out on our Instagram at grainy underscore days with a Z underscore podcast. All right, Mike and Andre, let's get this show back on the road. All right, so there's a little call in from Dustin about his uh, his new podcast. So, Dustin, what, what's going on here? Is a little competition here? What's going? What, what, what we got? We got. <laughs> there's plenty of room for new people, as Alex has already said in the podcast, and you agreed with him. I, I agree. I agree. No, I've listened to the first. I've listened to the first episode, and it is it's very good, man. Uh, you guys did a uh, you right out of the gate did way better than uh, my first episode, which is painful to listen to. So, uh, uh, they, but. But uh, so, uh, how about you tell the tell the fine folks about this about this podcast? Okay, so it's called the Grainy Days Podcast, and Days is spelled with Z because we're edgy, cool that way, just like the '90s, and um, also very American, and also very American. <laughs> we are three Americans. Uh, it's like I said in the call in. It's uh, Mac McDonald and Pete and myself. Um, we get together with guests and talk about. Um, pretty much just, you know, what it takes for them to make the photos that they make, um, their inspiration behind the process, um, it's less gear driven and more mental, um, aspects of like how you get in and what makes you, what drives you and all of the, the crazy things that people have a hard time expressing. We kind of, um, we kind of pull it out of them and get them to feel their guts. And we nice. also pick each other, and it makes it easier for people to talk about. I think when you're goofing off with your friends, and then you, you know, we kind of make it like a comfortable type of um, environment or whatnot. And our first episode is just the three of us goofing around, but we actually had our, our first guest this morning. Um, so I've been podcasting all day at this point. <laughs> Wait a minute! I thought I was going to be the first guest. Damn, damn it! I didn't get that honor. But yeah, guest. yeah, you're, you're a tech guest. We'll be recording <laughs> you tomorrow night, um, and That's we're looking right. forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, but I think I think people are going to really enjoy um, the show. It's something different. It's not it's not a gear. It's not a random news or just a hey, let me sit down and chat about random film things. We actually um, have an idea that we want to execute and talk about these projects, just get some exposure for people. And, uh, we hope people want to open to it. Oh, oh awesome. sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I don't know where you guys got the music for your podcast, but man, that there's some really great music on that podcast yeah, too. So yeah, it's just fantastic music on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> and we have to thank for that. As you can tell, it sounds like Mike's music. He was so generous in letting us use it. We very much appreciate it. Uh, it's, it was a complete honor to have somebody want to use my my music for their podcast. It's probably gonna it's probably gonna uh, it's probably gonna run people off though. But uh, but that's all right. Uh, that's, okay. <laughs> but, 
but I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to uh, recording with you guys tomorrow night. So that should be that should be fun. But uh, definitely check out the the Grainy Days podcast. Uh, you guys, has it made it? I know Anchor sometimes takes a while to get it distributed. Have you seen where it's getting distributed yet on the other platforms, or has it still kind of stuck in in Anchor world? So got it pulled up right now. Um, right now we are on Anchor, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Republic. So we're okay. hoping that the weekend is over. Um, iTunes will get their shit together and put it on yeah. there. Yeah, it seems like it takes iTunes the longest. I think Apple has some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of committee that sits down in a, in a secret room somewhere and checks all these things out or something. I don't know what's going, <laughs> what they got going on, but yeah. Man. CCR got approved in a day. <laughs> well, well, I think it's something with it could be something with Anchor. It seems like it takes a while when you're doing an Anchor uh, going through Anchor. But, but you know, what, what do you expect? The price, the price is right on Anchor. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a tag on there, and I think that might also have something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because we went through a lot of episodes on this show before I found the explicit tag and we did a lot of cussing before I started labeling it explicit, so, <laughs> but now it's labeled properly. But uh, I actually talked to Mike Williams, who does the, 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 the openings for these shows. And one of his openings, I think it's, I think it's the one I use for the Sunday shows. He says, uh, uh, boys and girls, children of all ages. And I'm like, Mike, we might need to switch that, man, because I've got it rated as an explicit podcast now. And I don't know if that makes this is an opening. <laughs> <laughs> so uh all right so uh dustin uh besides the podcast where can uh, people uh check you out okay so you, you can check me out on for the love of grain on instagram um you can also find me on the facebook group um most of the time i'm not on there as much as i usually am right now due to work and all that good stuff but um you can find me goofing around there on occasion um you can also find me on the Frugal Film Projects page on oh. Cherry Christmas blog once a month. And then Grainy Days podcast is Grainy or Days with the Z. Don't the Z, just have the Z underscore podcast. Okay. And uh, let's see. Um, and D Dustin, thank you so much for joining me last last second to help me through these questions. Man, it was a big help, man. It was a yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. Because Andre is out fighting dragons or something, so yeah, it's uh, uh, it is what it is. But you know, Andre uh, he uh, also fell asleep and didn't give me the midweek episode, so I had to uh, I had to do a midweek episode for him because he slept through it and didn't send me a recording. So I, it's kind of slacking, man. So I think everybody needs to kind of get on Andre and and uh, you know tell him to quit riding dragons and and uh, and, and quit sleeping. So. <laughs> and see who people think is the better co-host oh look out oh now, now his his job job security is a little shaky for him right now it seems like so yeah mm. uh, <laughs> uh, but talk about right. watch <laughs> right <laughs> well that that watch did not keep him on uh telling time properly to get me a midweek episode this week so i got to wind him or something but <laughs> but uh okay um let's go ahead and wrap this one up uh, you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. 
Uh, you can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. And you can follow this, uh, this uh, program on Instagram under the account Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag Negative Positives. And Mr. Bryce Randall, who pretty much runs that account for me, uh, may find it and highlight it on the Instagram account for Negative Positives. So uh, I think that's it. Uh, again, thanks, you, uh, thanks to Alex for coming on. Uh, it's been a, been a real pleasure, man. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, folks, we will talk to you for the midweek episode. I, I would assume maybe Andre's doing it this week. I don't know. Maybe he'll sleep through it again, but we'll find out. But uh, And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Everybody stay positive. Shoot some cool film photos. There it is. All right, folks. We'll see you later. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers. Gutter Man Cave Production!